Welcome to the Dwellings Podcast. We're glad you tuned in. Enjoy this message by Pastor Gunnar. The Bible tells us, if you wonder what God is like, look no further than Jesus. And this God is not one who is waiting on you to get your life cleaned up. He's a God who came down and sacrificed his own life so that you could be made clean. There's this beautiful story of a leper who, who comes to Jesus. And, um, you know, at the time that it was, it was considered really taboo to touch the lepers. They actually had to announce that they were coming in the vicinity where, where people were so that there wouldn't be contact. And Jesus is confronted with a leper and he says, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus says, I'm willing. And the, the interesting thing is that when Jesus touched the leper, he wasn't made unclean. When Jesus touched the leper, he made the leper clean. And I'm telling you, I don't know what you came in here with today. I don't know what shame that you're carrying, what sin, what habits you're carrying. But all it takes is a touch from Jesus to make you clean. That's good news. That's the good news of the gospel. It's not that we clean ourselves up and change ourselves. He can do it. So right now, if you just want to bow your heads, close your eyes, lift your hands, and just all over again, just say, Lord, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for the power of the gospel and what you did on the cross for us. If there are people in this room today who don't know Jesus, maybe you've got a dose of church, a good dose of religion, but you've never surrendered your heart and your life to Jesus, would you just cry out to him right now? The Bible says that those who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. They will be saved. We thank you, Jesus, that we're made right because of the cross. We're made right because what you've done before for us. Religion says do. The gospel says it's done. It's finished. It's finished. It's finished. Our shame is finished. Our fear is finished. Our past is finished. We thank you, Jesus, for the chains that break on our lives while we just surrender and worship. Come on, has he healed you? Has he changed your life? Has he set you free? Can you give him some praise this morning for that? Just put the name of Jesus on your lips. A thank you on your lips. We're so thankful, Jesus. We love you so much. We thank you that you're here. We thank you that we get to worship a God who's not distant, but close. We pray you come even more in your glory, God. As we hear testimony today, as we remember your goodness, and as we look into your word, Lord, would you transform us from the inside out? Just put your hand on your heart and say, do that in me, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much, worship team. We love you guys. So thankful for you. Thank you, man. Appreciate you. All right. Touch us, Lord. Only He can change us, set us free. Mm. 
I'm going to tell you what I'm, I'm excited about today. Six years of God's faithfulness. Are you thankful? I look, I look around the room and I see a lot of people who've been here for those entire six years and even before that. And I see a lot of people in the room that I've never seen before. And you're here for the first time today. And it, it, I just, it's a miracle, really, that the Lord, uh, what the Lord's done in this house. We started uh, the Dwelling Church in 2018 on January 21st. And uh, we met in the AMC Theater on the south side behind Target, Savannah Mall, scraping Skittles off the floor and removing unsightly items from the theaters so that we could have church in there every week. And uh, man, God can move in any place he wants to. And those years were, those three years before COVID in the movie theaters, in the movie theater there was was just miracle after miracle. And um just a real foundation for what we're actually walking in now. It, it was years of just faith and just just doing what we knew to do and the Lord just coming in and doing what only he can do. And um, is it okay if I share some stories today? Um, I, I, I want to do that and, uh, and just kind of maybe build your faith a little bit. When, when we started out, uh, we had a, just a dream in our hearts, and there was just a, a handful of us from uh, Alabama, and we decided to move to Savannah. We felt like the Lord's hand was on that, and we certainly hope so, uprooting your own entire life, you know. It's kind of like uh, you can have faith, but sometimes it feels like more, more like 80% faith, you know, and that's enough for God. That's enough for Him, and so uh, we moved over here and uh, didn't know a soul, and I remember moving into our, our house in Georgetown, where my Georgetown folks at. Uh, we, we rented a house there for a little while. We moved in, and our next-door neighbor comes out and basically greets us at the U-Haul. You know, we're unloading. And she says, hey, what'd you move to Savannah for? And we said, well, we moved to plant a church. She said, what does that mean? Well, to start a new church. Oh, where is it? Well, <laughs> You know, we don't really have a place yet. We're trying to figure that out. And then her next words were, well, I want to help. I'm like, who does that? You know, like it doesn't exist. And, and, and yet you're, you're saying, I want to be a part of this. And that happened over and over and over again. And we had our first service, as I said, January 21st, 2018 in the theater. And I've shared this story many times, but at the end of that message, there was an opportunity to 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 give your heart to Jesus like we just did. And, and there was a lady sitting over the, in this area and, and she lifted her hand and said, hey, I want to do this. We prayed that prayer of salvation and all that. And I found out later that she'd not been to church in 13 years. Wow. She'd gotten hurt at some point and she'd kind of walked out on church and just kind of wrote it off and kind of, she had, you know, this thing with God, she'd pray and stuff, but like, I don't want to go in church ever again. And she got a mailer with my goofy face on it and my beautiful wife's face that redeemed the whole mailer, you know. So it's like, <laughs> and she said, well, if it's meeting in the movie theater right down the street, I'll just give it one more shot. And um, she gave her heart to Jesus. And there's been so many just miracles. And I just want to celebrate a little bit of those today. One, one of the things that um, one of the things that happened is, you know, when you plant a church, it takes money to do that, right? 
And so we, we partnered with an organization uh, that would not only resource us and encourage us and all that, but they would also match what money we raised to plant the church. And so they said, if you raise $50,000, we'll give you $50,000 and kind of like a no interest loan type situation of life. And every bit of it goes back into planting churches. There's some larger churches in our nation that say, hey, we are all about planting new churches. And they pour all this money in the pot and then it's almost loaned out so you can get started and you pay it back over time, you know, five, 10 years, something like that. And, um, and I thought, how are we ever going to raise $50,000? Like, it, I mean, $50,000 right now for me is a ton of money. For some of y'all, it's, it's not that much. But, um, but at that time, it might as well have been $50 million. And I was like, how do you do this? And, like, we're, we're sending out support letters and meeting with people, calling, and, like, nothing. Nothing. There's a little faithful lady that gave $200 a month for the longest time. She, she contacted me a lot long ago. She said, I think y'all good, right? <laughs> You're like, I can stop. <laughs> you know? but, uh, but yeah, we had nothing. Like, we just had nothing but just a call. And like, a, we felt like the Lord wanted us to do this. And it was a dream on our hearts. And we we're doing it with him. And so we just did it. But we didn't have anything. And so it's like, all right, let's raise money. How we raise money. And no, no, none of the letters came back. No fruit at all from that. But we put the effort in, right? And I think what, what we needed to learn is that none of this was going to be on anybody's effort. Like, yes, put in the work, work your tail off, but know where the increase is coming from. Know that the faithfulness of God and the goodness of God is always going to be the thing that makes anything happen around here. And so what would happen is uh, there was one instance how we were flying back from Nicaragua on a mission trip. A few of us in the room were on that trip. And, and uh, someone says, hey, Gunnar, you need to come up here and meet somebody. And I was like, okay, you know, get out of my seat. I'll go up to the front. And there's a man named Pastor David that was in that, in that airplane. He's actually one of our overseers now. And I met him at 30,000 feet or whatever it was. And he says, well, look, we're looking for churches. To, we, we, our church loves planting churches, and we want to support you guys. And checks started coming. And then I sit down at a, a conference one time, and, and some of our early team members were, were at that conference. And I think every seat in that auditorium was full except the one next to me. And a, a guy comes in late, and he sits down next to me during worship, and there's just like a greet time, and it says, hey, I'm, I'm Larry, I'm Gunner. so what are you doing here, what do you do, where are you from, and I said, well, we just moved to Savannah, Georgia, or I don't even know if we'd moved yet, and he said, um, uh, we're going to plant a church, and he said, well, awesome, let me get your number, and let's stay connected and all that, then a few hours later, he texts me, or it might have been the next day, he texts me, and he says, come meet me in the lobby, and I go out in the lobby, and he says, look, on the plane over here, I asked God to connect me with a church planner that our church could support. Here's $5,000. And like, it just happened. Things like that happened over and over and over and over again. And so we got the funding. We got everything. We, we built the team. We met the people. We started having services. Um, I mean, we started having team meetings in our home and other places. And then we launched this thing 
with just like skeleton crew Sunday morning. Like, it was amazing though. You know, you stand out there and you're like, is anybody going to show up? I hope so. We put a Facebook ad out. We've done the mailer, all that stuff. We've been called a cult already. We haven't even got started. It's like, what? Who's going to come to a movie theater, you know? And, uh, and then I remember our, our first birthday in the, in the movie theater. We had our first birthday. And, um, and I remember standing up and just concerning that whole thing of paying back the launch funds, this was year one, and I said, in faith, I, said, I, was, I had some big faith statements that day. I think I said, in year five, we're going to be in a permanent facility. And we were in year five. But, but I said, we're going to have all of our launch funds paid back into the bucket in three years. Yeah, and everybody's full of faith. Do you know that we paid that whole thing off in a year and a half? And then we were able to take that percentage of what we we brought in through tithes and offerings and pour back in our local community. And I want you just to think, I, want, I know, I want you to go back with me to when I'm, I'm scared to death to announce to our church at the time that we're leaving and we're going to plant a church, whatever that means. And an older lady sitting in the back that was visiting from Atlanta, visiting a friend in our church at the time. And she says, well, before I left the house, I felt like the Lord told me to go to my safe and get some cash out. And she said, so I grabbed a $100 bill. And he said, get another one. And she had $1,000 cash in the envelope. And she was like guarding that purse the whole time, you know. And at the end of the service that day, scared to death, we had, that's the first time we told anybody what we're going to do. And she says, it's supposed to go to them. We had nothing, and with one little bitty step of obedience, we got provision. And it hasn't stopped. It hasn't stopped. And I, I want you just to think about that, that, those beginnings. And now we're able, just, just, just paying back what was given to us, trying to be faithful with our finances and all that stuff around here, and now we're feeding over 100 families a month, twice a month through our food pantry. We're giving to missionaries in Guatemala and Morocco. And there's, your giving doesn't just go to pay the light bill around here is what I'm saying. Like, it is blessing people. Uh, I remember, I'm talking a lot about money this morning, but it's like the most tangible way to see God's hand sometimes. It's like when we just put it out there and he, we trust him and he provides. The, the, the movie theater wanted, I, I don't know how much it was to start with, uh, for the lease. And I, I contacted him. I was like, look, we're new. We're, we don't exist. So we don't have any money, <laughs> basically, other than this, you know. I said, how about half that? Would y'all be fine with that? Or, or a little lower than half? <laughs> and then work with us. And they're like, yeah, okay. And so we got an amazing deal. But it's still a big chunk of money a month, right? First Sunday, someone drops a check in our bucket. We used to pass buckets. We don't anymore. We got a box out there. But um, for the first Sunday... Somebody stuck a check in there that covered five months' rent. 
They don't go to church here. They never have. They just show up at the right time sometimes. And bless because they have that gift. And they listen to the Lord. So I, I'm just saying there, there have been marriages restored through the ministry of the dwelling. And it's what God has done. There's been addictions that have been broken. There have been bodies that were healed. We were talking as a team today, and someone said, I've never seen anybody healed. I believed in it. But we've seen countless things like that in the last six years. And we've, we've just seen the hand of God in, uh, in only a way that just makes me want to go, okay, that was, that's on you. <laughs> like that, we just said, yeah, we'll do it, you know. And that's the thing is, if you're here today, if you've been blessed by anything that has ever happened in this building or a movie theater, in a home, a community, or coffee shop, wherever you found community or encountered God, it's because of people saying yes over and over again. It's the goodness and the faithfulness of God, but it's the yes. And I just want to challenge us, challenge myself, I'm going to challenge you, just keep saying yes. There's no telling. This is six years. In 10 years, where, where will God take us? We have all these dreams about a city transformed. I didn't, we didn't come here to plant a church. We came here to, to see a city transformed and renewed. And we're not the only ones that's going to do that. It's going to take the entire body of Christ in Savannah. But I believe that the Lord has given us a mandate to just be a spearhead for renewal in this city, where could it be in 10 years? Where could it be in 16? Where could it be in 20? I also said that first birthday when I said all those faith statements that all of them have happened, by the way, except the 20-year vision. And the 20-year vision was about this city and a city, to see a city warmed by the fire of God's presence, to see a city renewed, a revival and awakening. I believe it's coming. There are, too, there are too many promises he's made. There's too much evidence of his goodness to doubt him. Yeah. Or to think, well, that's kind of out of the... That's wishful thinking. This is Savannah. Like, let's believe for it. Let's believe for more. That's what we say around here. We create spaces for people to encounter God as a father, discover their identity and fulfill their purpose. We make room for God. His presence is priority. We make room for people. He's after his kids. And we make room for more. We ought to always be expanding how we, what we think God's capable of. I mean, he's God. And all he requires of us is just to believe what he says and act on it. And so... Uh, I could go on and on and on, but I got to preach at some point today because we're, we've, we've been in this series called Ready or Not, and uh, I don't know if you're ready or not, but 2024 is here. 2024 is coming, and I want to talk about preparing for challenge today. We, the first week, we talked about preparing for change. If you're going to walk with Jesus into 2024, you need to be prepared for things to change. Are you okay with change? We've seen a lot of change around here in six years. And guess what? In the next six years, this place might look totally different. And we need to be okay with that because God, that's how God moves. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But what he does isn't. And what he calls us to might change. Our assignments might change. 
And so, Pastor Stefan Cote, last week, who, who enjoyed that message? Get ready for growth. Prepare for growth. Because when you walk with Jesus, you need to prepare for growth. It just doesn't happen to you, right? So, today I want to talk about preparing for challenge. I'm going to do that preacher thing. Look at your neighbor and say, get ready. All right, get ready to be challenged today. So there's two types of challenges that are going to come to us this year or any other year for that matter, just to walk with God and invite these things. Number one is the challenge of trials. The challenge of trials. How many know we just go through hard stuff? This is just humanity. It's the life we live. We go through hard stuff. I know we just finished up a series called Deserts and Valleys in December about just how the Lord uses things in our lives. He's not the author of all that like chaos and suffering and everything, but he uses bad situations in our lives to actually turn it out for our good and for his glory. Like he, he, we're made by some of these bad things that we have to go through. It makes us who we are. It actually draws us close to our source, which is Jesus. And we don't like it. If you like it, something's wrong with you, okay? I'm just saying like no one enjoys that, but it actually makes us into our new creation, And so James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, you're very familiar with this if you've been in the Word at all. It says, consider it pure joy. They sang about it this morning. Brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. In other words, there's all kind of trouble coming at us, okay? But to face it with pure joy. Not not fear. not, uh, Not anguish. Not... Not discouragement, but actually, this is good. Like, it doesn't feel good right now, but it's going to turn out really good. Because it's a promise that the Lord gives. And he says, because I know that the testing of our faith produces perseverance or patience. Or some translations say long-suffering. I kind of like that one. You're suffering a long time. Like, the, the ability to do that. Sometimes we want God to just snatch us out of our suffering when actually he's making us into a people who can endure it and just walk through it without buckling. And so let patience, let's per, let perseverance finish its work. How, how often do we, do we stop short? Let it finish its work so that we may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. That's the goal for our lives. Is that we'd be so complete in Jesus that we look like him. Do you know the only way that's possible? Sorry, trials. Hard stuff. I preached at a men's conference this week, end, Friday night and yesterday. I love this men's conference. And I hate men's conferences, honestly. Because they just, you know, nor the, most of the time, if you're a dad or a father or a husband, you just get beat up all the time at these men's conferences. But this one's beautiful. Our, our, I, we had a, a moment yesterday. I was able to share this message, and I invited all the men who were 60 and older to come to the front to be the prayer team for the younger men in the room. And just tears and weeping and just there were things breaking off of guys because fathers they just got the embrace of a father 
and they got a blessing spoken over them. They got encouragement, and they got prayed for. It was beautiful. I'm like, that's my kind of men's conference. Like, there was axe throwing. There was. There was footballs through tires and stuff like that. But, you know, that, that's par for the course. But we were challenged, and I, I love it. And some of these guys were here. I've asked a couple of them to come up and just give a brief testimony. This is kind of like a pause in the message. Baxter, y'all give it up for Baxter. Baxter, was this your first year? So we, part, we, we partner with a, a church in Statesboro, New Covenant Church. They're the ones that puts this on. We just get to be a part of it. And um, it, this is our third year being involved, but it's Baxter's first year. He's going to share a little bit about what God did in his life. I'm with you, Gunter. Usually it's like you go to these things and you just feel like kind of bad about yourself, bad about being a man. But this really, uh, this was a good one. I kind of got roped in by Dan to go. And uh, I did actually really enjoy it, and I got a lot from it. And I think as men, you know, we kind of get in our routines, and we don't really connect with each other. And, you know, from being there, I realized a lot of people had a really challenging 2023. And I feel like there was a lot of, like, healing. And uh, just, like, I got the sense that, like, 2023 kind of decimated a lot of people, and then God's going to restore a lot of people in 2024, so, but it was really good, it was really good, you know, we all had a great time, so if you ever do have a chance, you know, we do a lot of cool stuff, and I'm like the last guy who's like, come to men's stuff, but like, you know, we camped on Little Tybee Island last year, and that was like the best day of my life last year, and it was just so fun, and wild, and that whole wild at heart cliche, it was really good, so. I really enjoyed it. And what's even more amazing, these guys got so manly that they woke up with flannel uh, plaid on. So uh, I also got roped in by Dan. And uh, I'll be honest with you. I was one of those people who was like, "Ah, you know, I got this going on. I got that going on. I might not be able to make it. And about... I think it was like the night before I was just looking at it and I said, you know what? I'm going to sign up. And I text Dan. I I love that I went. I learned uh, just being around the other guys and just being in fellowship and um, just loving on people and being loved on and all of that, being equipped um, through all the people talking. I think the biggest thing for me was uh, I just had a different perspective on how great God is. Like, I already knew God was great, but I didn't really appreciate it for everything he does and everything he gives me through good and bad. And I just wanted to, you know, just say, you know, I'm just thankful. I'm thankful for all of you. Um, Because there was one part yesterday, uh, Pastor Jeremy was talking about, you know, um, if you want to be, if you want to have really good friends, the people who are going to be there for you at a call, you got to be that friend first. And it took one person to be that friend for me. And that's why I'm here. And that's why I went to that conference. And I think that's just amazing how God works. And I'm thankful. And, yeah. And this man ran with a bucket full of rocks yesterday. What was your time on that? 
I have no idea, but I was running fast. <laughs> he had them knees up. I mean, that's men's conference. Running with a bucket full of rocks across the... Okay. But I shared... I, I love that. Thank you, guys. Uh, I shared a message yesterday, and I'll just allude to it here because it applies to this, to this topic. Um, I, I, I preached on uh, this passage out of this First uh, Chronicles 11 where it, it talks about David's mighty men. And, and there, David was, the, the hand of God, the favor of God was on his life, obviously. But David wouldn't have been David without the people that he surrounded himself with. And there were men of valor, men, mighty men, the Bible says. And, um, and there's stories about like men like Benaiah that killed a lion in a pit on a snowy day, you know, whatever that's about. And, and then, you know, he, he's the same guy that came up against the seven and a half foot tall Egyptian and like got the spear from him and killed him with his own spear. Like, you know, total something I can't say in church, you know, like, I mean, like these guys were like, they could get it done, you know? And so there's this entire list and there's stories, but then there's just obscure guys that you don't know their story. You just have a name and maybe where they're from. And, and there was a guy, when I was reading through this, his name was Harai. And, and I, I was reading, and I just wanted to skip right over it, just like we do in the genealogies, you know, sometimes. They're like, like this is kind of okay, you know. But I felt like the Lord said, no, you need to zero in on this guy right here. And so I looked, I looked at Harai, and I, I started to do a word study on this. And it says this in First Chronicles eleven thirty two. It just mentions this guy, and it says, Harai from the ravines of Gaash. Harai from the ravines of Gaash. And I was thinking, okay. And I can't remember what his name means. I think it means like linen or something like that. And I was like, well, okay. <laughs> and so a word study. I was like, Ooh, ravine. A ravine is a valley, right? It's a low place between two high places. It's a, you know, between two mountains, there's a ravine, there's a valley, and then then I looked up the word gaash, and it's the Hebrew word for shaking. And obviously, I mean, it sounds like they lived on a fault line or something. You know, they were in the ravine, and there was earthquakes, and it was just called the place of shaking, the valley of shaking. And then I, as I was just studying this, this phrase just popped out of nowhere to me. And he said, you know, some warriors are formed in the valley of shaking, you know, we, we don't like suffering. We don't like hardship. We don't like trials in our lives. But, but I'm telling you, what shakes us is what makes us. That's what makes us. It really does form us into Christ, the hard stuff. And so the best way to prepare for trials in 2024 is to have a proper perspective on your trials. I think one of the things I learned last year through our trials were, was this, I just kind of just happened to my trial. Like, you know, my trials happened to me and I just walked right in there, not expecting them. And then not having a proper perspective on my trials. I'm just stuck right there in what's right in front of me. Am I going to survive the week? But the Lord is calling us to a higher perspective to see like, how he sees the battle that we're facing, how he sees the trial that we're in. And I guarantee you, well, there's hope in that. 
Because when you zoom out, you see the bigger picture. And it's just asking the Lord, what are you doing through this trial in my life, in my heart, in my thinking? And so preparing for trials looks like getting a higher perspective. And so here's the question before I move on to my last point. Here's a question. What trial are you currently walking through right now that you need a new perspective on? And I'll tell you this, if the trial you're walking through right now has you thinking it's all over, it's not worth it. God forbid this trial that you're going through right now makes you have the thoughts of, if I ended it right now, that would be better than what I'm walking through right now. If it's got you thinking that way, you're not thinking from God's perspective. I can tell you that. Because there's always hope because he's a redeemer. And he's a good one. And he can take the worst situation and he can make it unbelievably valuable and beautiful in your life. He can. But we can't see that when we're right in the middle of the heat of the battle. So we need to ask him, what are you doing? What are you doing? So what trial are you facing right now you need a new perspective on? So there's, tri- there's the challenge of trials, and then there's also the challenge of trust. So there, we're going to be challenged when we walk with Jesus. Sometimes it's through trials, and sometimes we come to a place in the road where we're called to trust what God says, no matter what's going on or what we feel or what it looks like. It's called faith. Hebrews 11 is that great chapter of faith, that hall of faith. It talks about Abraham. It says, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, he obeyed and he went, even though he did not know where he was going. And that's, that is the marker of faith. It's taking steps without knowing the outcome. It's taking the step because God said take the step. It's taking the step, like the old hymn that we used to sing in church, in the Baptist church, standing on the promises. Like, you, you may not see it, but there's a promise. And so I, growing in my relationship, in my history with God, those promises, I better know what those promises are. You follow me? Because That's the only thing sometimes I have to stand on because what it looks like is disaster. What it looks like is a really bad idea if I step right there. But I have a promise and so I'm going to step. And so this is the challenge of trust. If you're walking with God, you're going to be asked by God to do things that require faith. Faith. Now, I'm not encouraging haphazard living. I'm not encouraging foolishness. And, you know, not being wise in how we steward our finances or our own lives or decisions. But I am saying this. If you have to have everything figured out before you obey God, you're not living by faith. Sometimes his things he calls us to don't add up. They just don't. And it's not until you look back and you see, oh, that's what he was doing. That's what he was doing. And so... I've thought about this too. You know, we have this idea that if I just obey God, then certain outcomes are promised to me. But I don't know if we read the Bible if that's actually a biblical way to think. Because it says right there in the Hall of Faith, a lot of these guys just did what God told them to do and they never saw the outcome of it. 
They just lived by faith. And sometimes their actions of obedience were felt for generations. I think about Abraham, and he says, you get up and go. Just get up, get out of your comfort, and move your family to a place I will show you. Like, start packing your tent before you get the map, the map quest. That's not even a thing anymore. I'm old. <laughs> like, like, just start packing before you even know where you're going. That's how, God, that's how God does it. But Abraham, he, he starts packing up, and he actually obeys the Lord. Now, he wasn't perfect. We saw him screw up a lot, right? But he believed God enough to do what God asked him to do. And one of the promises of, of, of his obedience was the nations will be blessed through you. Ultimately, Jesus came through that lineage, and now all the nations of the earth are blessed. You're here. You're in the body of Christ. Yes, because of the cross. Yes, because of the plan of God. But if you want to get really practical, Abraham got up off the couch. And he just did what God told him to do. And I'm telling you, if you could see the backstory of your life, if you could see your mama on her knees weeping for you when you were when you were lost if you could go and see your great great grandparents praying for you before you even were a uh, an idea listen we're we're being carried on the faith of generations now let's back it up to like right now your children your children your children's children and your children's children's children their lives are dependent on the decisions that you make right now. Today. Will you obey today? You may not see the outcome of it, but your grandchildren might. Is it worth it? Are your children worth it? Even if you don't see the promise, are you willing to obey? That's the test of faith. That's the challenge of trust. And so the life of faith is a life of obedience. And so here's the question. What areas of obedience have you been putting off when the Lord just said, do it? What have you been putting off that you know the Lord's called you to do? Maybe being right, maybe getting it right with somebody, some relational thing that, that went south and you just never cleaned that up. You're waiting on the other person. Maybe you just need to step out and do that. And you know it because every time somebody preaches on forgiveness... It stings, and you're like, I know I haven't done that, but I can't bring myself to do it. Obey. Just trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. You remember that old song? Like, it's the truth. I think a lot of my misery in my life has been tied to my not trusting and not obeying. The most miserable I've ever been is... When I'm away from God and not obeying and not living for him. I'm telling you, if you'll just step out and just trust him and obey no matter what, there's hope on the other side of it. So whether you're going in through a trial right now or whether the Lord's calling you to do something that you don't know if you can do on your, in your own strength, and that's a good thing, by the way, just obey today. Can we all stand? I'll tell you this, as far as the, 
dwelling church is concerned, looking backwards at the six years, but also looking at the six-year mark and looking ahead, we're just going to walk by faith and obey, just like we always have. And when we make mistakes, the Lord's grace is going to help us to keep walking. And so everything, everything about our lives is just sustained by the goodness and the grace of God anyway. So what is that? What is that thing that you need to step out and obey on? What is that trial that you need a new perspective on? Because challenges have come in the, in the last six years, and there are going to be more challenges to come. And how we prepare for them really matters. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word that doesn't just inform us, but it transforms us. We thank you, Lord, for timely things, timely words. I believe there are people in this room and watching and listening online that it's time to do what God has told us to do. I believe there are people watching online that are just going through hellish circumstances right now. And we just need a vision from heaven about our suffering. We need a vision from heaven about what we're going through. And Lord, right now, all over this room, we just pray you're, you're just, Holy Spirit would just illuminate our minds and our hearts to see the truth, to see the bigger picture. And Lord, we respond to you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Before you leave today, encourage somebody. Somebody needs your encouragement today. Love you guys. We'll see you next week. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more information, visit thedwellingchurch.org.